It's Monday the 15th of March 2021. My name's Alex Elliott and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened and why we should care. I'm joined this week by Astrid Feeling, who is Administrative Director of Education and Teaching at the University Centre of the Westfields. Welcome to you. Thank you. Hello. Hi. Um, this week, we learned that an earthquake swarm can go on and on uh, for much longer than expected. However, the scientists haven't changed their message. A volcanic eruption remains highly likely on the Reykjanes Peninsula. Civil protection authorities have stopped issuing COVID infection figures at the weekend, but unofficial figures from re released on Saturday showed progress remained good. At the time of recording, it seems the more contagious British variant of the coronavirus has not managed to escape into society this time around. The stranding of the Baldur ferry for the second time in a year has thrown transport links in the Westfjords back into the spotlight for the I don't know how many earth time. Um, all the passengers and crew, however, survived more than a day at sea unscathed. Also on the subject of transport, Air Iceland Connect will cease to exist from tomorrow, uh, instead becoming part of the Iceland Air brand. Nearly a quarter of new cars sold so far this year were electric, and Iceland is second only to Norway in this regard. The unemployment rate dropped in February for the first time after at least nine months of going up every month. And finally, Iceland's Eurovision song has been officially released this weekend, uh, but the Pirates got there first, leaking a copy online last week that was widely shared ahead of the premiere. So where would you like to begin? I definitely would like to talk about something positive uh, in a while, but um, I would like to start with Balte, the ferry. And you connected. say this because you're in the Westfields, right? I say this because I'm in the Westfields, so this this story is a bit closer to my heart. And it, it it's an ongoing story of poor decisions. And the, the, I think the people on board were very, very lucky. And I'm sure they had a very uncomfortable night, the, the people. And um, I heard some of them had dogs with them, so I'm quite sure it was a very uncomfortable. The ferry is not made for staying overnight or sleeping. And I'm very glad that no one was harmed. They were very lucky in this case that the wind direction you know, pushed them away from the islands and the, the shallow areas and that Altne Friedrichson was so close by. It was a pure coincidence that they were seeking, seeking shelter there, the marine research vessel. Mm. Generally, I'm always quite impressed how well uh, disaster and emergency response works. Arne Friedrichson was there immediately and the, the Coast Guard ship set off immediately and the, um, the helicopter set off immediately. So there might be chaos and other public services in Iceland, but I feel that the disaster response always works very well. And in the end, everything worked out well. Um, because everyone was working well together and felt uh, safe and sound now in Stickleton. But no. as you said, this is not the first time uh, that this happened. And this event now adds on to a, a sense of insecurity, a sense of unsafety and causes understandably a lot of frustration. But uh, is important, it's important link for the, the Westfjords or between the Westfjords and the Snæfellsnes Peninsula, um, not just for people, but also for 
the transportation of goods. So this time there was a lot of fish on the board, which on board, which um, ended up going bad, which is a huge loss. It was millions worth of fish. So of course that is very unfortunate and causes a lot of um, frustrations. And especially in, in the winter, Balta is important for us because roads get, get closed. Mm. Most of the roads in the westwards are fine. The, the, even in the winter, they're just fine. But the remaining 15% or so, they become impassable. They are not just bad. They are closed. They become impassable. So if people or also the big trucks, if they can't go over the hills, like Kletthaus, or those mm. really not, not nice to drive hills, then um, the ferry becomes like a like a lifeline mm. and it is those those um, the, those communities in the south of the being West. unreliable yeah um you know the the authorities they really put the people in the southern west westwards you know it's, it's a pickle they put them really in a difficult spot mm. so what should be done we should get a nicer ferry <laughs> i think it's it, just the the fact that it was uh, that it was an engine. For, I'm not sure if it's true, but people say that it only had an end, had one engine or the, the main engine failed. And um, this this Balta is supposedly the new Balta, but it's already five years old. It was operating in Norway before, and it was deemed un, unsafe. So what's unsafe for Norway is good enough for Iceland. Um, and it was put in place as an as an exception. It was, it, was, it was supposed to be a short-term solution, but I don't see that any effort has been made in the past years to actually work on it to, to replace it. And it's also, it's always full. <laughs> we want to have, we welcome tourism in the West Coast. Now with the pandemic, we had a lot more domestic tourism, which is, which is great. But in the in the summer times, Balta is always full. You need to book way in advance, and um, you know, then again, it's the conflict conflict between the the companies and the passengers. And I I understand that there is never enough money for a big ferry, for a fantastic and safe ferry. But if you know, it, it becomes risky and safety becomes an issue, then mm. this needs to stop. In, in the summer, though, is, isn't Baltur more of a tourist attraction in the summer when the roads are open? Sure, but why shouldn't it be? Mm. It's now with opening of the of the Dierafjallagang, they are, you know, they're fixing the roads and there's a lot of construction going on, which is which is good, but it, it's slow. And of course, taking the ferry over the beautiful is a it's a scenic route it's, it's beautiful it's, it's gorgeous but it's it's locals who want to get faster to the south it's domestic tourists it's international tourists who want to come to the west Coast. but there's so many efforts and and initiatives to put them to connect the west Coast better to put it better on the map there's the the, the Westfjords way, the Westfjord lane and so there are opportunities created but it's very sad if the ferry, Balto, is the bottleneck. Absolutely. Well, so I, 
I just hope that this is once again a wake-up call for decision makers to to look at this again. Your, your program is asking why should we care? So this is this is why we should care. And I I don't want this to become yesterday's news too quickly. I'm I'm hoping that yeah something's going to happen. Right. Well, I'm, you're talking about moving on too quickly. Um, I'm going to choose an awful moment to do that. Let's move on to a different topic. Um, I assume the next biggest one, well, the biggest one overall is the the Earth, the movements and the and the possible volcano. Um, and I believe you, you've got a geology background, don't you? I know you're not um, an, uh, in the civil protection department or anything, but you you know quite a lot about what's going on generally in the ground. Geography, we mostly stay above ground. Geographies know a little geographies geographers know a little bit about everything. We're not we're not really good in anything, but we know. But how do you how, how does all this make you feel? Are you just I mean obviously you don't live in Grindavik. Have you have you felt any earthquakes by the way? I have I have slept through one once when I was visiting my parents in law in, in Hapnafield many years ago. Hmm. So, I don't pick up them easily and we sometimes very very seldomly we feel them in Isafil but I never notice them so I'm um I know people who drive to the south to actually experience um, an earthquake and I am I'm I must admit I'm a little bit tempted but then I'm also I feel bad because this is a very serious and ongoing and uh becoming a stressful situation for the people in the south and living around Grindavik. Not everyone has the opportunity to to go somewhere else to the summer house or to visit the family in the countryside and just needs to sit it out and it, uh, it's impressive. It fascinates me that it just it keeps going and it, and it wouldn't stop and I'm also very impressed by how well the scientists know what's going on. So I'm I am following this with a lot of interest. Mm. The second biggest one so far was yesterday afternoon, um, mm -hmm. and yeah, the the reaction is especially in Grindavik was very much, oh, you know, people are people are yeah. done with this now. Yes, 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 and I I I feel or I can imagine it's especially difficult for people with with kids and dogs, you know, adults make the decision to move to Grindavik, but, you know, putting kids through this for such a long time and also the, the animals, they pick up uh, those um, movements and waves a lot more than we do. It must be stressful for them. It must be tiring for them for such a long time. It does remind us that we live on a major fault line. We, we live on an island that is has been created on a you know, drifting plate. So this is a very active location, if you think about it. And Mother Nature reminds us once in a while how, how powerful mm. she is, puts us and in the our fact place. That, the fact that we're on this drifting plate boundary is also the reason why scientists can be relatively certain uh, earthquakes are not devastating here uh, in the way that they are in many places. Yes, so the location of it, it, it sounds, um, yeah, less dramatic as it was with the Eyjafjallajökull. Whenever there is ice and water involved, then we can expect a little more action. Water and, and ice usually don't go too well to, together. 
So yes, it, it calms me down. Also, when now the voices say that if we are expecting an eruption, it's it's going to be a bit of a smooth bubbling, maybe, um, but it's not going to be devastating. But I feel like people they're kind of waiting for the ground to finally open to release the stress and the the, the pressure. Mm. So, that's it i mean finally it, stop shaking yeah it's it's the same situation for everyone in the whole country even if they're not directly affected by what's going on it's just this this suspense this waiting this not yeah. knowing exactly what's going to happen um i mean we know that the magma intrusion or the magma flow uh, the dike that's the word they were using uh, the dike to... intrusion is the is the right word okay. And that seems to be moving south or has done. Yeah, it's been moving uh, southwest or to the southern west part of it. And this is at least the most active um, flow that they can detect. So they must have a ton of sensors and um, they must work with a lot of remote sensing to to actually know what's what's going on. So, one positive thing of um, this ongoing story is possibly that now that the scientists have a lot of time to collect a ton of data, we we know that we can't prevent eruptions, but by collecting a ton of data, we can uh, predict them better in the future. We can be better prepared. So, in terms of disaster preparedness, this is probably just a very good um yeah learning experience mm. and, and obviously no two events are the same but it's been so long since there's been an eruption on the Reykjanes peninsula it does seem like the area is in line for perhaps a spate of them over the coming hundreds of years um, and so exactly what you say this is a great learning curve mm -hmm. um, and yeah have you got any bets? Is it going to be tomorrow this afternoon? So. <laughs> um, no, I would. I would never dare to bet with with nature. This is uh, mm. the latest news I saw this morning was that as the intrusion has has moved south, it seems likely that it could happen in a place where it covers the road, where it covers Suderstrand um, But yeah. there are worse things. Exactly, there were things, and now we're all, you know, we all got plenty of time to to prepare for that. And I just, I just hope that, um, you know, everyone has a has a good evacuation plan in in place and uh, and a B plan in place if a road closes. But then it's, you know, it's it's just a it's just a road, and we are very used to. Um, Iceland always renewing itself and changing its shape and changing its, its appearance and there are cracks opening here and there are, you know, it's just a road. We can put it somewhere else. Absolutely. We don't want to, we don't want to pick a fight with, with nature. We just let it do and then we adapt to it. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, obviously, it's easier for us to say that when we don't live in Grindavik, but None of the scientists sure. are predicting that that town is going to be directly affected at this stage by an eruption and, and hopefully yeah. that will remain the case. Yeah, yeah. No, I do feel I do feel very sorry for the people down there. And I'm like, I'm 
you know, I'm wondering if we should open up all the hotels in the countryside and just say, like, people from Gundervik, go, go somewhere else and, and get a get a break. Of course, all of this is easy for me to say, being far away from the action and living in an, in an area where we don't have to worry about volcanic eruptions or earthquakes. We, we deal with uh, the odd avalanche in the winter, but um, even for that, we can prepare relatively well. We stay at home. Yeah. Indeed. Well, uh, along with everyone else, I think we'll just keep keep looking at this situation and and and. Yes, and cross fingers that yeah. everything goes goes well and smoothly. And yeah. Okay. Where would you like? No to one gets no one gets harmed. Where would you like to go next? Hmm. Well, the most anticipated song of the year, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, ten years, it's called. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the follow-up to Think About Things from Dali Ogagna Magnit. You've heard it, I assume? I did. I must admit I, I heard it a few times because I tried to understand what he was actually singing. I must admit I had troubles understanding what he was actually saying. But from what I heard, it, it was very sweet. It was, uh, it was a very nice message. And yeah. they, they have a quite distinctive tone and, and sound uh and when they started the song and it does sound very similar to the to the sound uh, to the song before think about things yes but it now does. it's, it's yeah. a great it's a great song it's it's douze points it's uh, it's very disco it's very groovy it it ticks off the eurovision boxes, there's funky dance moves and interesting costumes. There's even firework in the end. I think it's just missing the wind machine. That can always be added. <laughs> yes. It was a uh, tough call for them. They obviously had this song last year that was going to go into the competition that was one of the favorites and that everyone loved, most people loved. Mm -hmm. um, and so the challenge, I suppose, is to make something that sounds similar enough to that, but not too similar. And and the element of surprise is certainly gone. So it's a tough one, isn't it? Yes. Uh, I felt very sorry for them because it was an it was an excellent song. It was a good song. It was great fun. Everyone was looking forward to see it at the Eurovision. And then comes a pandemic along. Who would have thought that? Mm. And Yes, expectations were were very high. They just had to be very creative and be a genius once again and create a new a new song that will do well and perform well. And then it was then it was even leaked. Um, I felt very sorry for them. Poor poor guys. Yes. Um, you can you can interpret that two ways though. I mean, the fact that people took the time and effort to leak it is positive, I suppose, because it shows some anticipation. Um, it's crazy how competitive this event is. It's um, no, it's supposed to be a, a, a jolly family event, but yes, there are there are bets made and there's there are very high anticipations. And, yeah, to me, it just shows how, how competitive this is. But I, I don't think it did any damage. I think people were just 
patiently waiting to hear the song and now everyone's happy and thinks this is great and we're looking forward to to see it and is that the react is that is that the message you've taken from it then everyone seems to like it how can they not <laughs> or or to word it a different way is it as good or better than last year's song oh that's unfair <laughs> i'm sorry yeah it is but it's a competition it kind of has to be right but we all know that you are the biggest eurovision fan in this room so what do you think um I've only heard it once, so it's difficult to comment. Um, but first impression was that last year's was better. Maybe that will change with familiarity. Um, but I do think they had such a mammoth task on their hands. Mm. A lot of those Eurovision songs, they have to grow on you first. Yeah. You, you hear them once and you're like, oh, not so sure. And then you can't get, get rid of your hand and then it keeps, keeps spinning in your hand and then... That's the bug. One thing I will say is that I've heard most of the songs this year and Davi does stand out the most still. It's still the most distinctive one, in my opinion. Um, mm. That's something. Um, we, yeah, I'm completely ignorant to all the other songs. So <laughs> Germany's one is also a bit of a standout, but um, it's a bit different. <laughs> Um, we have got uh, only a few minutes left. Maybe we should talk a little bit about COVID. Um, Oof, yes. Because um, as far as we can tell, it's good news so far. Yes. Yes. Um, and, and that's positive. Obviously, the figures are released at 11 o'clock and we're recording just before 11 o'clock. Um, but last week didn't seem to be giving indications that the infection had gone out of control again. Um, with the more relaxed restrictions in place right now, that's a very good thing because, mm -hmm. you know, it could have easily gone out of control very quickly, like it did in August or September time. Yes, yes. We're still very nervous about it. We, we do listen to the news every day, and every day um, they tell us that um, the continued testing and the positive cases are at zero or very low. We're relieved. We're happy. It's you know, it's a constant crossing fingers and hoping for the best. And we think it's very positive that there's a still very strict um, border testing or testing at the border. And I just hope that Iceland is going to keep this up. We have the geographically strategic situation of being an island. We can control our um, border relatively easily. So let's keep doing this, um, keep testing you know, keep vaccinating. And for, at least for Iceland, I'm I'm very pleased with how things are going. Looking at other countries in Europe, I'm, I'm a lot more worried. Uh, obviously, it's a two-pronged story as ever, though. We've got the, the infection rate on the one hand um, and the vaccination story on the other hand. Big news yeah. there last week. Uh, yeah. Obviously, the AstraZeneca one has been paused. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I must say I'm I'm at the point where I say whatever vaccination you have available, just bring it on, put it in my arm. I do not care how my body hears about the enemy. I have a I have a lot of trust in all the vaccination and infectious disease outbreak research that has been done in the past years. 
I'm very concerned about people talking about the good stuff and the bad stuff. Someone says, I got vaccinated and people ask, so did you get the good stuff or the bad stuff? I, I think it's a risky narrative we're creating and I also think it's a bit un, unfair. I think it's good that we are very cautious and that um, decision makers are very cautious. This was a, um, all those vaccinations, they received a speed approval. The, there's very little data available. Um, the clinical trials were very short. So of course there's a lot of skepticism and, and, and uncertainties. And it's, you know, maybe it's the right thing to be, be cautious, but I still think that um, also the, the press and um, key people need to continue educating and communicating what vaccination is and how it works they need to communicate this well so that there's less so it creates less fear and and and, and skepticism in, in people because i still think vaccination is just very important mm. i mean generally for a variety of you know we've all most of us have had in vaccinations as children against this and that and it's a <laughs> part of modern this part of the world that we've created part of modern life and and in my opinion at least is, is positive um the Janssen vaccine was approved this week yes. that is the one that Iceland has the most on order of and it only needs one shot as well yes and it's easier to to store I, I, I guess so that's why they kept kicking out new and new vaccines onto the market because they all come with different um, storage logistics and those are very valid logistics to to consider those are possibly very expensive and, and complicated logistics so with Pfizer and Moderna are more difficult to store than than other um, vaccines I understand that we're turning towards vaccines that are easier to handle mm. again cautious there's so many out there by now but only four approved for use in Europe so far. Yes. Yes. What about people that are sort of questioning the fact that because the, the Janssen one is, like I say, it's a single shot. And as you say, it's easier to handle, but it's only 67% effective in clinical trials. And the authorities say, well, that makes it very much worth it, which I suppose it does. But is it worth it enough, especially with the expected influx of tourism starting again from May? Well, I think everything is, is, anything is better than nothing. So even taking a, a vaccine that it has probably a, a lower or shorter um, efficacy is, a, is, is always better than, um, than no vaccination. And just because you're vaccinated, that is in no way a justification of changing your behavior. So I still think if people are vaccinated, they still should be very precautious because the vaccination mostly protects yourself. But if you keep wearing your mask, if you um, keep practicing social distances, maybe say no to very big social gatherings, you're still protecting others because just because you're vaccinated, doesn't, you can still be from what I understand, you can still be carrying it and, and tr transmitting it. Um, so I think we have to look at it as a whole. And um, I don't expect that uh, Iceland is gonna, you know, um, open up the borders. 
completely like free range so it's going to be a combination of maybe testing and and, and quarantine time so yes as I, mean, I if anyone would offer me a vaccine today i would just just take it whatever it is even if it's 67 percent yeah i the, mean it would be possible to it would be possible to say well no we're gonna just wait a month or two longer to treat everyone with the pfizer one for example um you could do that if if we know that that once or that months or two is actually going to do it, yeah, because there have been promises and then delays, and um, I think the logistics for Iceland are relatively easy. But if you also look at places outside of Iceland, there's a big discrepancy between how many vaccines have been shipped and delivered and ex, ex actually um, injected. Um, so <laughs> I think there's quite a delay in the whole process, so I wouldn't necessarily speculate that there is a, a lot of dosages of Pfizer arriving all of a sudden. And the point is to, to prevent people getting sick, getting seriously sick, being admitted to the hospital and die. And I think this is where we are on a, on a good way if we just keep vaccinating. Perfect. I think that's an excellent point at which to uh, call it a day. The Week in Iceland will be back next Monday, the 22nd of March on roof.is forward slash English, Roof English on Facebook, through the Roof app and your favourite podcast platform. Huge thanks to my guest today, Astrid Feeling, and also to Lydia Kretestotis for running the studio. Oh, the technical side of things, I should say, as we're not in the studio today. Um, we finished today, of course, with the song that will no doubt wow the world in Rotterdam this May. It's Dari Ogagnamagnith, and the song is called Ten Years. For now. We've been together for a decade now. Still afraid I'm loving you more. If I could do it all again, I'd probably do it all the same as before. I don't want to know what happened if I never had had your love.
Together. 